You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, hello, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. As we do every Wednesday, we are joined by Sage Rosenfels. We're brought to you by Vivid Seats. I'll tell you about them in a moment here. I'm going to get some Penguin tickets through Vivid Seats here at some point here soon. Sage, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I did watch most of that fairly boring game last night. Nothing too exciting, but it sort of finished as everyone imagined with the Patriots, of course, again, being those Buffalo Bills and uh, and Derek Anderson. Yeah, and I wasn't even going to touch on it, but let's just mention a couple things. Is I think the announcers were saying, and I've been kind of saying this for a while, that Derek Anderson would have been a logical guy to sign in the offseason. You know, I mean, have him be Allen's mentor as he did with Cam. You know, I mean, there's a familiarity there. There's a similarity between Allen and Cam. And to bring him in this late, I mean, the bills were flying high, but it just doesn't seem like great planning around their franchise quarterback to be. Yeah, or just great plan in general. I mean, I, I saw some of the stats last night. I think it said forty percent of the of the Bills roster is in their first or second year. They've got that blew extreme, me away. extremely young football team. I think there is only a couple players left on the roster that were on the roster from just a, like two years ago. Yeah, like there's only a, and they have completely overhauled that thing. This was a playoff team last year. Let's not forget, like they. However they did it, they made the playoffs last year with Tyrod Taylor, uh, and they found a way to win, um, and now it's like a complete start-over situation. And yeah, I completely agree with you. When when Josh Allen was, was drafted, you have a rookie. There's a reason that teams go out uh, and find some sort of veteran, whether it's to play, whether it's to you know, help teach, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, the, the young quarterback, how to, you know, just be a quarterback or the X's and O's or how to be a pro, you know, sort of how to live a life of, of a quarterback in the sense of, you know, you want this guy to be the Buffalo Bills guy for the next 12 or 15 years. What did the Bills have? They had Nathan Peterman, you know, a guy who also had basically no experience and whatever experience he had was absolutely terrible in his rookie year. So I have absolutely no idea what the Buffalo Bills were thinking this offseason. They've got a really young football team. Uh, they've got an extremely young and raw quarterback. They should have signed somebody like Derek Anderson this offseason. That you know, a lot of these moves you know made no sense to me with the Bills, and sure enough, that's why they're one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah, and, and the Jets did it great with Josh McCown. Like he's the perfect guy for that, in my opinion. And they did sign McCarron, but then they traded him, and I'm not sure that he's exactly the veteran role model you're looking for anyways. I mean, he's yeah, not he's, a... He's the, he's the veteran with very little playing experience. <laughs> right, um, He's right. played some, but he's not like the guy who's been there, done it, been in multiple playoff games, you know, just sort of been around great quarterbacks. Uh, so, yeah, he, he definitely wasn't the guy. He didn't last very long either. Yeah, and just a, a quick take. I mean, I am coming around on this Bills defense. I think it's a pretty good group, well-coached, Athletic at the second level, playmaking group. Um, but, the, you know, in the league, I think you and I have talked about this. Like, sometimes in college basketball, uh, an upstart team will challenge North Carolina or Duke for three quarters. And then the cream kind of comes to the top. You just you can't play 60 minutes against Belichick and Brady and those guys just on emotion. You know, I mean, this was like the Bills Super Bowl, the first time on Monday football forever. 
But then Belichick starts figuring you out. I mean, it's just the game. The game lasts too long. Yeah, and it's just hard to keep Drew Brees down, or not Drew Brees, excuse me, Tom Brady down uh, for that long. And you know, he doesn't get held to a lot of field goals, and, and he usually scores touchdowns more often than not. And uh, yeah, just as you said in that game. Uh, the Patriots sort of dominated it, though the score wasn't out of hand. But it did seem like the Patriots sort of had control, even at you know six to three or nine to three or whatever that score was, uh, you know, later in that game. And and then finally, uh, the Patriots just sort of took over and said, "Okay, we're the better football team. Uh, first, we're going to get a touchdown. We're going to get a bigger lead. Then we're going to get another turnover and get you know get some more points." And so, you know, that, that's what happened in that game, as you said. The cream rises to the co- to to the top for the most part in the NFL especially when you have Tom Brady at the helm. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I guess the biggest quarterback news of the day is Winston gets benched. And I've been defending this guy for a while. And the turnovers and the lack of ball security are alarming at this stage of his career. I mean, early on, it was like, okay, maybe he'll work some of that out. So in your opinion, how would you handle that situation, you know, long-term in Tampa, and who would you start next week? Who do you think gives them the better chance to win now? I think Tampa is starting over. Uh, I think they're going to be like the New York Giants, and, and there's some other teams. They're going to be looking for a quarterback this offseason. Jameis Winston's not the guy. He hasn't shown the maturity off the field. Th- those concerns, though not as bad as college, they have come to fruition, some of them. Uh, uh, those concerns about his you know, sort of off-the-field uh, immaturity. On the field, I saw some stats the other day. He is second to Blake Bortles in most turnovers amongst quarterbacks over the last uh, three or four seasons. Wow. Here's the difference. He has almost 600 fewer snaps <laughs> right, than the Blake yeah, Bortles, right. and he's like behind him like by like two turnovers or something like that. He is a turnover machine. The NFL, one of the most important stats, we talk about quarterback rating and time of possession and all these things. Turnover uh, is the most important stat. If you are uh, a negative one in the turnover category, you've got about a 35 or 40% chance of winning the game. If you're negative two in the turnover battle, you have like a less than 20% chance of winning, uh, of winning the football game. Turnovers are huge. Punting is fine. And that's one thing they teach you early on. End every possession with some sort of kick, an extra point, a field goal, and punts. Punts are fine. For whatever reason, Winston, he fumbles a lot. He throws way too many interceptions. He tries to do too much. Uh, and I'm not sure, you know, if that's – it's not because of, like, he's not an accurate quarterback. Right. It's not because he's not a good – he just makes bad decisions. Some people make good decisions in life. Some people make bad decisions in life. It seems like to me uh, this kid makes more bad decisions than good on and off the field. If you were another team, though, the Giants, the Jags, I mean, Winston's only 24. If he if they part ways with the Bucks after the year, or maybe you set him behind Phillip Rivers or, you know, something like that, would you be interested in bringing him on board if you sat down with him and thought, Maybe he's maturing. I mean, or, or was or is that is that really the bottom line for you? Is no, no. I, I don't think his career is done. He's right. one. He's just too talented, right. and he hasn't he hasn't done things off the field that uh, you know your uh, your flexibility amongst franchises has a lot to do with how talented you are. And he is a talented quarterback, and there's only so many out there. 
Uh, and but yeah, I think a place I, I as you said, I think a, a Philip Rivers type place uh, is perfect for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Teddy Bridgewire's in New Orleans. That's a perfect place for him. And, and the thing is, you know, Breeze isn't leaving anytime soon. But you know, get him behind a, a, a longtime starter. Uh, actually, have him learn from a uh, another veteran who's been there, done it, and maybe. Once Rivers retires in you know a, a couple years or whatever, maybe the organization has liked what they've seen in the preseason games and practices and how he's interacted with his teammates and coaches. That you know he ends up getting a shot to be a starter. But I, I think that his uh, you know his value to to really any of the thirty two NFL franchises as he's the guy that's going to be our franchise starting quarterback. That's not going to happen next year if it does i think that's a mistake of whoever makes that decision uh i think he'd be a guy that you'd bring in to compete for the starting job or, or a guy that you'd bring in uh to back up uh you know some sort of veteran uh because he is talented he can play really good football but his inconsistency is just too much and his turnovers are are way over the top yeah and it's been too much of a trend um, I mentioned before that we are brought to you by Vivid Seats today. I've told you about them many times. I've used them on several occasions. I went to the Metallica show a couple of weeks ago, got my tickets through Vivid Seats. I'm planning on getting Pittsburgh Penguin tickets here soon. I urge you to do the same with your local sports teams or concerts or whatever it is you're into for sure. But Vivid Seats is an online event ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that will last a lifetime. With Vivid Seats, listeners can watch their favorite teams and artists perform in person. Vivid Seats helps fans find their seats to any of their favorite live events, sports, concerts, theater, and more, stand-up, whatever you're into. Vivid Seats offers great prices and easy purchasing experience. So use our code LOCKEDON, all caps, all one word, and you get $20 off orders of $200 or more if they are a first-time customer to Vivid Seats. Again, that's LOCKEDON, all one word, all caps so go to the app store google play download the vivid seats app that's the way i do it it's very very easy enter our promo code locked on to receive 20 dollars off orders 200 dollars or more for as a new customer of vivid seats and of course all vivid seats orders are confirmed and backed by a hundred percent guarantee all right so i wanted to bring up you know we kind of talked about the bucks how that quarterback situation is in flux Sage, when I was with the Browns, I was there 365 days and I saw three head coaches and two GMs. <laughs> I feel like Baker Mayfield's going through the same thing now. So not only do they fire his head coach, but they get rid of Todd Haley too. Like, how does this, what do you do? Or I mean, how does this affect Mayfield now? And then what's your plan if you're ownership and Dorsey in the offseason to find a replacement? Well, let, let's start from the top. You yeah. know, the the owner of the Browns, he's a gas station guy, right? I mean, he's not a football guy. Of course, almost no owners are actually football people. I mean, they, they made their money somewhere else. Uh, he needs to rely on on John Dorsey, the GM, who I think had an incredible first draft. I mean, I, I think yeah. Mayfield's legit. Uh, everything I if, if Baker Mayfield plays terrible the rest of the year. It, that, that doesn't even phase me. He has shown me enough. He showed me enough in the preseason and definitely in the regular season so much. He's a competitor. I believe he makes the guys around him better, which that's how I judge quarterbacks. It's not necessarily arm and this and that. Does he make the players around him better? I think Baker Mayfield does that. Chubb was a, a great choice uh, with that second um, 
with that second uh, uh, pick. He's a very, very uh, good running back. And so uh, I, I think that, you know, Dorsey has done a good job so far. He's got to pick a head coach. And, and my guess is that they're going to go uh, as they go, you know, obviously they'll get through this season, but as they go into next season, the future, they're going to look for, you know, the Sean McVay, uh, yeah. the Matt Nagy, you know, they're going to look for a guy to maximize uh, this quarterback's talents and make him, uh, in, in, you know, a vital part of this team. And, and uh, that, that, that's, they, they have to do that. I, I think it would be a really bad decision to go find a defensive coordinator head coach that doesn't have a great track, track record of, uh, of understanding the development process of, of quarterbacks. It's a very unique position. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. Not a surprise that, you know, I said Baker's been through the ringer here in his first season. It's Cleveland. Nothing seems to ever change in Cleveland. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, you start, there was a little, there is momentum there. There is signs of hope there. We can't say that there was that the last couple seasons, but I think there's a lot of signs of hope in this franchise with their good, good young talent. And they just have to find the right uh, head coach and offensive coordinator to put it all together. Yeah. And to me, to take it a step further, I would really look for somebody, obviously on the offensive side of the ball, that is already, you know, using some college principles too. You know, we're seeing more and more of that at this level. A lot of jet sweeps and motions and spread principles. I mean, remember how, how successful Mayfield obviously was at Oklahoma. And I, I'm sure you're aware of this, but you watch the Browns, and I really studied them this week because they were coming to Pittsburgh. And the same thing held true against the Steelers is the receivers don't help them. I think they lead the league in drops. The offensive line looks like it's never seen a blitz or a stunt before. They let up so many sacks. I mean, I feel like Mayfield's like one of the only things that's working in that offense. Yeah, no, he's a good player. And and I think right now, and I, I saw a tweet about this yesterday or last night, I, I couldn't agree with it more. This time, right now, uh, the next couple of days, the next week, and really the rest of the season, for Baker Mayfield, uh, how he handles this situation. His head coach got fired. His offensive coordinator got fired. You know, is he going to be a positive guy going for the next uh, you know couple of months? You know, how is he going to deal with it? Everyone's going to be looking at him, in my opinion, of of how he reacts to this you know, very unusual situation. It's, it's usually you just get the head coach fired and, you know, the, 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 the two coordinators stay in this situation. Right. They fired both offensive guys. I mean, it's that, that, that's sort of crazy. I don't even know who the coordinator is right now. So, uh, yeah, the, the, this is a very important time for him, for this franchise. I think everyone's gonna be looking at Mayfield to see where he's going to go. I like your ideas of having more of a ecology, you know, type guy. There's been some rumors of Lincoln Riley, the Oklahoma uh, head coach, uh, to, you know, to, to be the, uh, you know, the head coach, uh, offensive coordinator, what, uh, probably the head coach, obviously, uh, you know, with, uh, with the Cleveland Browns. That intrigues me. Uh, he's young. He's got a, you know, really good offensive. I actually called the Oklahoma Kansas State game this weekend for uh, touchdown radio. And uh, yeah, he's got a really good offensive mind. And obviously, you know, the quarterback was just in that system. Uh, before he came to the NFL, and uh, that would give him a huge advantage. I do think the NFL is changing. You watch the Chiefs, you watch the Bears, uh, not everybody, but you watch some of these teams, and they're doing so much more of this college stuff, uh, and their their offensive uh, uh, production has 
improved drastically from you know the years previous uh, in the more traditional NFL offenses. You mentioned turnovers earlier when we were talking about Winston and how hard it is to win when you lose a turnover battle. And last year, by far, they were the Browns were the worst team in the league in turnover differential. They handed the ball to the other team 1.75 times on average every game. I mean, no wonder you lose. This year, listen to this. I retweeted this, and I think this is really interesting. The teams that are plus four or better in turnover differential are the Chiefs at plus four, they're seven and one. The Chargers at plus five, they're five and two. The Redskins at plus six, they're five and two. The Rams at plus six, they're eight and oh. The Seahawks and Bears are both four and three, and they're plus seven. And really probably playing a little bit over their talent head. But the leader in the clubhouse is the Browns at plus ten. They they're three <laughs> better than anybody else. And they're two, five, and one. So they're winning thirty. Answer, but real quick, they're I winning thirty-one percent of their games. Where the rest of that list is winning seventy-five percent of their games. Like they're getting these gifts, and they still don't win. I think you. Uh, I think you picked up the number one stat. Then maybe it was Greg Williams. Maybe it was Greg Williams' agent. But somebody snuck <laughs> right, that right. stat to John Dorsey. And they said, you tell me what the problem is. Is it defense who's getting a crap load of turnovers? <laughs> right. Or is it maybe the two offensive guys who aren't taking advantage of them? Uh, that is a, just a shocking stat. You, you just literally do not see that. It is, um, it is outside the box or outside the norm or whatever you want. You don't see teams that are plus 10. Uh, having a, a losing record and not even close to a winning record. I mean, no. uh, you know, as one of the worst records in the league, it's a, a, com- a comp- unbelievably shocking stat. It is. It is. Uh, we're going to take another real quick break, and then we're going to come back and talk a little bit more quarterback stuff and wrap this up. All right, Sage, we are back. And I think the Seahawks are a fascinating team. And, and I talked to the Locked on Seahawks host Sunday night, and – they're quietly really building an identity with a lot, with a lot of no-name guys on both sides of the ball. But I, don't, I think, and this is just kind of my hunch, that yes, Russell Wilson's a great player, but leading up to this year, he played so out of structure that it's really hard to pass protect for him. It's hard to design offense. You can't just play like I did as a kid in the backyard, you know, and I think Wilson had too many of those tendencies. So I think that what they've done is kind of broke it down, know that they're quote rebuilding. We're going to start running the ball. We're going to create an offensive line that we can actually hang our hat on. And we're not going to ask Russell Wilson to be Superman. And he was great this past week. Well, yeah, he was great only throwing 17 passes. Yeah. And, and, you know, Brian Schottheimer was 26 years old when he drafted me in 2001. Oh, I didn't uh, realize that. Dad, yeah, his dad, Marty, was the head coach. Uh, you know, that was the one and done Marty Schottheimer, Marty ball time in, in, uh, with the Washington Redskins. And so, I mean, in this game, Russell goes 14 to 17 for almost 250 and three touchdowns. He didn't have to throw very many passes. And, and obviously, his yards per attempt and yards per completion were were extremely high, almost almost 20 yards uh, uh, per completion in this game. I, as you said, I like the way they're, they're, they're running the ball, sort of back to basics. Let's play good, you know, f- fundamentally sound football. Uh, let's not try to ask our quarterback to do everything uh, and just play solid football, just, you know, professional, uh, you know, something that's not turn the ball over. Let's run, not hurt run ourselves. Run the plays. 
yeah, run the plays and not try to have to be Superman all the time. And I think they've asked uh, uh, Russell to sort of be Superman, you know, and, and I think they're just running running solid plays. And again, as you said, the offensive line has been uh, has been a sort of a game changer for them. This David Moore kid, they sort of, I don't know where they found him, but he's been a nice addition to to Tyler Lockett on the other side, who is, you know, one of the fastest receivers in the league. Obviously, they still have Doug Baldwin there, but, you know, they, they've done a really nice job this year. They're four and three, you know, they, they played a Lions team. They are, they're both three and three going in the game. And it was one of those deals where, you know, you, you felt like if you, the winner would have this sort of positive feel going through the rest of the season. Uh, but I don't know how far that's going to take them. Obviously, they have uh, a very weak division, the Rams, and then they have you know two weak teams in the Cardinals uh, and the 49ers in that division. So I can see this team, you know, getting close to 500. You know, maybe sniffing the NF, sniffing the the playoff uh, conversation later in the year. But they've got a really tough schedule ahead. They also have to play uh, you know the teams in the NFC North, which I think is one of the better divisions in football right now. Uh, I think that. The, the Seahawks are slowly coming back, but at the end of the day, I think they're still going to be a seven, you know, maybe eight win football team at season's end. Yeah, but they now they have cap space. I think now they have a foundation. You know, the quarterback never left. That I think that the rebuild's going to happen a lot quicker than most teams do. I think this is a fire sale done right. Yeah, right, right. right. Like the, the Giants, the Giants were a fire sale done wrong. It seems like to me, like they're selling all these guys and not getting much back. Right. And, uh, exactly. and obviously the Raiders are doing a fire sale too. whether that's right or wrong. I don't know. They've got five first round draft picks. I think there's a lot of right uh, in that type of fire sale. But I think what the Seahawks are doing, uh, you know, they got rid of a lot of these really expensive veterans. They, you know, that was their window. Uh, they saw they felt like the window was closing up. And so they decided to, you know, get rid of some of those guys and start over. And, and I like the, the way the rebuilding process has, has uh, you know, been so far in 2018. Everyone's talking about Pat, Pat Mahomes right now, and I 100% understand that. And I'm often asked, you know, if you had to build a team from scratch and you got to pick any player in the league, who would it be? And to me, Mahomes is clearly in the conversation. But the other three that are for me when you factor in age and all that are Wentz, Luck, and Watson. And I'm starting to feel like all three of those guys are back. You know, that they're almost to where we think that it can be starting to hit their peak at the right time. Yeah, I agree with you. I was thinking about this the other day, and you know, I, I think Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback uh, in the league. You know, you know, I'll get back to this conversation about Mahomes in a second, but that game the other day when the, when the Rams lost and Rodgers yeah. didn't get to have a chance, did, did anyone have any doubt that Rodgers was probably going to get the ball and go and get themselves in field goal range to win that football game, right? right. I think that's Absolutely. what, I mean, him and Tom Brady are sort of the guys that you just go, if he gets the ball, they're going to win the game. I think Drew Brees is next. And, and, uh, and as I cover the Vikings so much, I think that's the biggest concern with Kirk Cousins. It, Kirk Cousins doesn't seem like that guy who would get the team in field goal range if you just give him uh, one more chance, two minutes you know, with the football. I don't know if that's the case. And so I think that's the difference uh, between you know Rodgers and Brady and a guy like Cousins, even though statistically – they all probably are all in sort of the same world with like 107, 108 quarterback rating. But anyway, back to Mahomes. Real quick, though, Rodgers and Brady get to play each other this week. How much fun is that going to be? Oh, that's going to be a great game. <laughs> what a blast. Prime, yeah. prime time, made for TV, probably one of the better, uh, my guess is it might be one of the better uh, you know, games of the year. Should be should be spectacular. But no anyway, doubt. back to Mahomes, I thought to myself, if I could have a quarterback for the next 
you know, or a player in the NFL for the next 10 to 12 years on my roster, who would it be? And so when I thought about that, you know, my, obviously my mind goes, well, Aaron Rodgers is the best, but in 10 years, right. he's not going to be, you know, uh, you know, maybe the next five or so, I think I'd love, love to have him on my roster, maybe next seven. Um, but, but Patrick Mahomes might be, that might be the answer to that question. Him and in particular for me, Carson Wentz, I think those two, uh, are, are going to play for a long, long time at a really high level. Uh, again, they're not just throwers. They're great throwers, but they're not just throwers. They're guys that can move and create. They make the, the players around them better. Uh, they know how to uh, do something to, to help their offense when the pocket breaks down. They've got huge arms to make throws that a lot of guys can't make. Uh, they sort of do everything right on and off the field. Mahomes, you know, had a, he threw for 300 yards and four touchdowns. And people didn't really talk about that. It was a great game. <laughs> right. Like, uh, I mean, well, it was like, yeah. oh, Mahomes had a good game. It wasn't, there was no, you know, sports center highlights or anything like that, that, you know, sort of blew you away. But at the end of the day, you know, the guy throws through for like almost 70% and 300 yards and four touchdowns and a pick. And you're like, oh, that was like a B, B game. You know, that would have been for a lot of players. That would have been <laughs> one of the best games of the year. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I think, I think Wentz would be my pick narrowly over Mahomes. But I think Luck is back to being a superstar. Watson, I think, is a, a smidge behind those guys. But I do see why people would consider him in that conversation. Well, I think Watson, uh, I, I think he's going to be a really good player. I think he is a very good player. My biggest issue with Watson, I, I'd love to see this kid in the Kansas City offense. Wow, I mean, yeah. let's swap these two quarterbacks out, right? I mean, how good is Mahomes going to do in O'Brien's offense? That's that's one thing about Watson that I that I. I'm not sure about is really the coaching staff that's around him offensively. And they quarterbacks have not played well more often than not in that system in Houston. Now they played well in that system in new England because it was Tom Brady's, you know, it was really his system uh, and, and McDaniels system. But, you know, as, as O'Brien's gone down to Houston quarterbacks have not played that great. And, and, you know, Watson's doing a lot of really good things. He's got some, some serious threats at the receiver position, uh, but, you know, I'd love to see him in the Kansas City system where he can really use his athleticism the way Andy Reid is using Patrick Mahomes' uh, athletic ability. Yeah, now, all three of those guys are coming off injury, but Watson's the one that scares me the most durability-wise out of Luck and Wentz and Watson. Just, I don't think he protects himself well. He's a little bit smaller. Pretty, you know, strong injury history, too. Yes, he does. And you know, that's, you know, as they say, that your best ability is your availability. And that's one thing that, you know, Wentz didn't have at the end of last season. That's one thing that, uh, that Watson's had issues with a little bit already in his career. And, and as these young guys who do move around a lot and they do run the football uh, more than the old school traditional pocket passer, you know, the question is, you know, the, does that mean more injuries? And, and so far, it, it really has. But the question is, is it, is it you know, catastrophic, you know, shoulder injuries that, you know, really sort of end a, a player's career or, you know, bad ACLs that really slow a player down, or, or are they just little things that they can get through and still have a long career? I do know this. If you're going to play for 15 years in the NFL, you better rely on your arm a heck of a lot more than your legs to, to win football games. Yeah, you're 100% right. Sage, let's do this again next week. It's always fun. I can talk quarterbacks with you forever. Uh, Mike Renner is going to join me tomorrow, Mike Sando the day after that, and then I'll pick games as usual on Friday. Sage, thanks so much, man. Sounds great. Chat with you next week. Absolutely.